and welcome to The Word, Women and Properties podcast, sponsored by BECG, the Built Environment Communications Group. Today we are exploring how we are all coping during COVID, focusing on mental health and well-being. Louise Hetherington from Atkins Global and Helen Ensel from Donald Insull Associates are our guests, so could I ask you both to introduce yourselves, please? My name is Louise Hetherington. I'm a structural engineer with Atkins, have been here for uh, four years since graduating. Um, I'm also a mental health first aider and I am one of the co-founders of the Constructing Mindsets podcast, which is a podcast specifically for mental health in the construction industry. Thank you. And Helen? I'm Helen Ensor. I work for Donald Insel Associates. We're a firm of um, conservation architects and heritage consultants. I'm a heritage consultant with the company and have been here for nearly seven years now, having had a long career, mainly in public sector conservation. Thank you. So, uh, Louise, as you explained, as well as being a structural engineer with Atkins, you're also a mental health first aider. Why did you decide to take up that particular role? So within Atkins, we're very fortunate to have 150 trained mental health first aiders. Um, and we all got the opportunity to apply to do it. Um, in the past, I've personally struggled my way through university with various different things um, and also had family and friends that have gone through it themselves. So by applying to be a mental health first aider, there was both the opportunity to help colleagues in the industry as it's such a huge thing in the construction industry, but also on a bit more of a personal level just to help other people that I know and make sure I'm I think we're all a bit scared of saying the wrong thing. So I thought if I got the training, then maybe I would say the right thing or at least not say the wrong thing, if that makes sense. So it was um, a great opportunity just to learn more about it and be able to support other people. Um, so yeah, so it's really interesting. And then I guess at this point in time, it's it's fascinating to see how the mental health agenda has changed over the last three, four months. Um, and it's great to be able to talk to Helen today about that. Um, and as we've come from quite different backgrounds, it's fascinating to see how, depending on what your home setup looks like, it depends how maybe you've coped over the last kind of three, four months. So I guess my question to Helen would be kind of how have you adjusted to being at home? How have you adjusted to working from home and what's kind of your setup? So my setup is not dissimilar to lots of other people in that when it became clear that we were going to be locked down, I raced into the office in my car. I parked illegally on the high street in Oxford outside the office with the, with the hazard lights on. I ran in, I grabbed everything I could, screens, tables, books, paperwork, anything I thought might be useful for the next, what I thought would be kind of a two to three week period, shoved it all in the boot of the car and then raced home and locked the gate. <laughs> so I've been working in the spare room uh, which I have timeshare on with my husband, who also works. We, we both work four and a half days a week, so we both do almost full time. Uh, so he, he has it in the morning and I have it in the afternoon. And for the first, uh, I don't even know how many weeks, we had two primary school aged children at home with us as well. So we were tag teaming being teachers as well as, as you say, almost working full time with timeshare on the office. <laughs> That's pretty challenging. Yeah, so I, my experience is probably the other end of the scale. I kind of saw it coming and decided, I think it was the Tuesday before lockdown started, I just thought, you know what, I can see where this is going and strolled home fairly relaxed, no illegal parking on my front because I don't park at work and took everything, took everything home and 
just quite comfortably got settled in but I, I wasn't one for working from home before this started I used to hate it I uh, I liked the motivation of having other people around me and uh, just being able to keep in touch with the people either side of you so going from that to also sitting in the spare room which I'm fortunate not to be on a timeshare basis I get it all to myself all day long um, but I, I get the kind of the added perk I'm not caring for anyone so for me it's been a fairly smooth transition apart from the mental adjustment of being quite a social person and I need to talk things through and I'm very much someone who learns by speaking to others and so going to a home working where I'm constantly on the phone because I'm seeking that kind of verbal communication it has been a big change and it, it's been a challenge and uh, one thing I've seen on LinkedIn and I think it's very applicable to what we do now is the change curve so we always get taught about this if we do business change so that might be oh we're bringing in a new team we're bringing in a new project and we all go through the no I don't want change we go through the denial we then hit a low point and we find our way out the other side and that very much applies kind of to our mental health during this um, and I've definitely ridden that wave of that change curve multiple times through this sometimes it goes through on a daily basis sometimes I get stuck in places for a few hours sometimes it's a few days um, and I know for some people it's a few weeks so that they get stuck in each zone so it's it's a really interesting kind of business model that you can apply to mental health in this and uh, I think a global pandemic is possibly the biggest change we all have to get used to on an overnight basis so I guess have you experienced that or are you are you riding the wave are you out the other side or have you been going around a corona coaster multiple times throughout all of this no I'm riding the corona coaster pretty much um, so unlike you I've been working at home on and off for over 10 years now um, I've had jobs in the past which are predominantly home working and I've always been really evangelical about the benefits of home working um, I mean, I think it's great for the environment, potentially. I think it's great for commuting time. It's it's money saving. There are lots of really positive things about home working, particularly, you know, if you do have dependents who, who you have to care for as well. Um, and I've been really evangelical about how great home working can be. Um, and I've been trying to persuade people, as I say, for the last 10 years, that attending a meeting by Skype, because that's what it was then, nobody, nobody really used Zoom, but attending a meeting by Skype is still attending a meeting. Um, and then what I discovered was everyone got on board really, really, really quickly in the course of what, what it was like two to three days notice that we had. And suddenly all the things that I've been talking about, everyone was saying, this is amazing. We love homeworking. So, but of course, the Corona coaster is kind of ever present. Um, and I was really struck by you talking about the change cycle. And um, I seem to go through it at least once a day and get stuck in different areas where I felt um, I felt very let down particularly by our school um, and I felt quite angry sort of with everybody about the fact that I was in this impossible position where I was time sharing an office and I'd gone from being a heritage consultant to being a not very good primary school teacher um, to sort of really struggling with these additional responsibilities um, and I felt quite angry about it for, for quite a long time um, I felt like it was impossible and in all honesty it was impossible you know the first kind of the first eight weeks are probably the hardest thing I've ever tried to do um, plus the worry of what was going to happen to the business um, what was going to happen to our clients we had lots of like, like lots of other people we had lots of contracts cancelled um, in the early part of the pandemic although I was always amazed actually during kind of April and May how many new projects we were actually appointed on and 
how busy we seem to still be. But I'm a natural worrier. I'm a natural kind of Eeyore. And um, I, I worry endlessly about things and I get stuck in a kind of unproductive loop of just worrying, finding a solution, but continuing to worry. Um, does that figure anywhere on, on the change curve? Is there anything I can do about that? <laughs> I guess uh, something I've come across, so obviously being a mental health first aider, you're uh, definitely not the first person I've heard that from. And kind of ongoing worry is a very common thing. Um, there's a kind of a coping method of of identifying what is in our control to worry about and what's not in our control to worry about. So I've done a lot over the last three months to just explain the basics of mental health to people in the company. And I think that's something that really works kind of whether you're leading a company or whether you're kind of at the lower end like I am if we can all talk about it a bit more there's kind of this general acceptance that we're all on the same page so we're all we're all in completely different boats I saw someone say we're all in the same boat we're really not um I'm sat here quite happy in my in my house it's just me and my partner there's no children running around I'm not trying to run a company I mean I'm in a fairly luxury position I've not been on furlough and I've not been put up for redundancy and yet we're all riding the same storm and we're in very different places in that storm um, some of us are sinking and some of us are floating and it very much depends on kind of where you are and it, it comes back to that whole if you're in a floating position can you reach out and support those who are maybe taking on water to extend the analogy a bit further um, and that's something that companies can definitely do it's it's the flexibility like you say you're on timeshare so i'm imagining you get most of your work done during those four hours in the afternoon when you can screw yourself away and actually get some focus time whereas not everyone will be able to do that we'll have some single parents out there balancing the hat of parent teacher and worker or have people who are lonely that would be the other end of the scale there'll be some people that are just sat in a house on their own they do their job and then they turn off their laptop and go well what now because they're completely on their own maybe rattling around in a space that used to feel comforting because you come home from a long day at work and you know you have your peace and quiet but when you've had your peace and quiet for eight hours already that evening bit so and that's where the kind of perpetual worry will come in the job security the furlough if i'm on furlough kind of what's happening next and i've spoken to a few people who have a massive fear of coming off furlough because Maybe they filled their day with hobbies so that they don't get the worry and the boredom. But actually, how are you going to fit in those hobbies of around a job? <laughs> um, because you get so used to filling your day with other things. How does a full time job fit into this? And it's very similar. Some people have mentioned to coming back off maternity leave. You've done nine months away from the company, a year away from the company. And for furlough at the moment, it's what, four or five months. And other people have just been carrying on whilst you've been off. So I don't think those of us who aren't furloughed realise the big step to coming back. And then those who are furloughed, like, I think it'd be great if a company can just say, look, we recognise that the first few weeks are going to be tough for you um, and added in the flexibility. And maybe if you want to kind of gradually come back. Um, I know some people are doing part time furlough, part time home working. Um, there's so many different things kind of companies can do to adjust. And also, if you are a warrior, are there things companies can put in place to support and reassure you that certain things but like you say there are some great things that come out of this um the working from home side can have some fantastic benefits for people um and i guess maybe we should touch on those a bit more because i find that all mental health discussions come back to the negative and you've mentioned some great points about the positive i think you're absolutely right and i think that we're in danger of actually losing some of the positives to come out of 
COVID. Now, I mean, I, I hear you very much about people suffering from loneliness, um, people suffering from worry about furlough, and, and just, just to, to revisit that point, um, I mean, certainly having come back from maternity leave twice, it's really, really hard. And you think, I mean, I remember being prepared for having a baby being hard because I'd never done that before, but I wasn't really prepared for coming back from maternity leave being hard because I'd already been doing that job for a long, long time. So my advice to, well, I don't know if I've got advice really, but what I would say to people coming back from further is give yourself a break, be gentle on yourself, speak to your employer about um, the difficulties that there are. I think, I think it's likely to be overlooked how difficult and how sort of unsettling and possibly frightening that might be and how at sea you might feel. Um, so you were just saying about the positives of um, of working from home, and it seems to me that we are in danger of losing some of the kind of major environmental um, uh, steps forward that we that we've made. Um, certainly in the last couple of years, uh, a return to a reliance on private cars because people are so worried about public transport. I completely understand. You know, I have no desire to go and get on the tube in London at all, or even get the train um, from rural Oxfordshire into Oxford. But having said that, I understand that lots of people have got to, and, and that must be very concerning. But I'm equally concerned about a reliance on 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 cars, which we we're in the process of sort of almost weaning ourselves off of. Um, I also think a reliance on single-use plastics um, for protective gear seems to me to be um, not great. And and for example, I now can't get anyone to fill up my reusable coffee cup because of the fear of of what it's got on it when I hand it over the counter. And, those things worry me. I think there is. I think there are some really, really positive things to to come out of it. I think the way in which people reached out to one another, the the support that we saw in our own community during a time when we were um, isolating for two weeks because one of my daughters had been very ill with suspected, well not very ill, she'd been poorly with suspected COVID. Um, we saw an immense kind of reaching out and and a sense of of kind of love and generosity from people that actually we hardly knew. Um, and it would be sad to lose those things. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we need to focus on on what was good because otherwise we're in danger of sort of pining after a normal life that we're not going to have back for a long time to come, um, and that actually we'll lose the things that 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 were good about it. Definitely agree with that. And kind of even just having this podcast it's it's discussions about mental health have just become so much more open and it's such a positive to see people who had never considered mental health to be a thing before to now turn around and go oh I get what you're talking about and oh I know why you've talked about this before so having this podcast other podcasts people just talking about it in the workplace and appreciating that everyone's in a different place Right now, we're talking about a different place due to a lockdown or a different place due to a pandemic or we're all balancing different things. But actually, this went on way before a lockdown. Just no one had the appreciation that the person sat next to them might have a personal challenge. We were typically British, I think, all of us. We are very good at hiding all our feelings and keeping them tucked away because we don't talk about that. But yeah, it is such a big step forward. It's OK to ask about mental health now. And that seems to me to be good for, for the asker and the askee. Yeah, completely. And I think from a manager's perspective, so I don't manage anyone, but I mean, I've been talking about this for years, but from a manager's perspective, it's a lot easier to now turn around and go, how's your work going and how's your well-being? And because there's a door there that's been open slightly. I mean, how are you finding kind of managing people, whether that's during the lockdown or coming back to work or anything along those lines? 
Well, I mean, it's a real, um, it, it obviously very much depends on the individual. And, um, you know, so I've got a very small team of people in Oxford. Um, it's just, there's just three of us at the moment, um, although we sit within a wider team base in London, which is of about 15, I think, together. Um, and, and within that, we've got the entire spectrum of, of, of people that we've just been talking about. So there are some who, like me, broadly, you know, when I'm not tearing my hair out trying to be a primary school teacher as well as a heritage consultant, it turns out actually I'm a much, much better heritage consultant than I'm a primary school teacher, like way better. Um, but there's people who are, who are trying to juggle the whole um, childcare, even with younger children who are no longer at nursery, which I think must be incredibly difficult, right the way up to people whose children have missed out on A-levels and GCSEs and possibly first year at university and the added stresses that that causes. We've also got people who are um, sort of at the beginning of their careers and possibly living in flat shares, um, but they never sort of intended to be this kind of like working arrangement as well. Um, all sorts of different people and actually managing that requires a lot more skills than I think any of us thought we were ever going to need. Um, so just within the small team that I manage, we had a divergence of opinion really about what was what was going to be the best way forward uh, for our team. Um, and that's tricky. And I suppose the bottom line is that, you know, I, I care about these people and I want to make sure they're happy and I want to make sure that they're fulfilled and enjoying their work um, and that they're not suffering with, with mental health or anxiety during this period. Um, I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say it really, but communication is always the key. Um, and again, I think this is where people got on board pretty quickly, actually, with stuff that I've been talking about for years, which is, you know, we need to have virtual meetings with people really, really regularly. Um, the team's calling facility has become something of a of a boon really because we know that everyone's sitting at home just working so you can just turn on the camera call them quickly and have those kind of like side conversations which i think you were talking earlier about you know needing um to talk to people and that's how you learn um uh, it's those side conversations it's overhearing somebody on the phone and how they deal with a particular situation it's being able to sort of just glance across them and say did you do that or how would you kind of cope with that situation and being able to respond very quickly and I think it, it, it is obviously impossible to recreate that working from home but having the calling facility so that you can see somebody as well as talk to them um, I found to be really really invaluable and then other things like you know we have lots of whatsapp groups um, which are pretty chat heavy we have to check the chat a lot on WhatsApp, um, but it means that we can obviously, you know, send each other images as well as uh, messages and stuff like that. Um, and the other thing that we've done is we've, we've met up in person, obviously at a safe social distance outside um, later on in the in the pandemic as, as things eased off a little bit. And I think that was helpful. Um, I think I think we need to kind of reinvent the way that we do things, not least because it seems to me that local lockdowns are likely to become you know a kind of a familiar issue in the coming probably in the coming year years maybe i don't know um and the, the prospect of being locked down quite quickly at quite short notice in the geographic area is going to mean that we have to go back to relying on um online methods of communication with one another so i think your question was how how do you how do you take in terms of managing people and I, I don't really know the answer to that other than sort of compassion and technology and I think that's a really valuable answer um 
that I guess anyone listening to this who does manage a team, it's so important. I definitely feel more connected to those I talk to regularly. And the video, like you say, makes a huge amount of difference because yes, okay, you can only see maybe my shoulders and my head and those who gesture a lot like I do, you can't see any of that because it's below the webcam, but you can see facial expressions. You can see when people are paying attention and also including people in meetings. It's just that bit easier when you can see the facial expression, maybe not everyone's confident enough to talk. So, or even if people are having a bad day, we're all very good at hiding it behind a Skype message or an IM, but we're very bad at hiding it when we've got a camera on us. Um, so like you say, checking regularly is so important and your work and passion is fantastic because everyone is different during this. Everyone has a different kind of experience. Some people want to go back to work. Those, like you say, early career professionals who might be in a flat share who have a shared lounge, a shared kitchen and their bedroom. And it's back like the university situation where you work and live in your room. And actually it's a very siloed experience in comparison to those who have their own place or even just living with parents. I just feel like you feel a bit more comfortable working in the dining room when maybe you live with parents in comparison to when you live with five people also on conference calls. I mean, it depends obviously if your parents are there too, but there's a very definite split depending on your home setup and appreciating who needs to go back in and who doesn't need to go back into work that may help us with the social distancing because none of our offices are really catered for social distancing because before four months ago it wasn't a thing and I know Atkins in particular have now sent out a an email asking if people need to go in for well-being reasons you can apply to go in for those now that might be because your home setup's just not working for you. It might be that you're lonely. It might be for any number of reasons and and you can apply to do that, but it also doesn't put the pressure on those people who don't want to go back in yet. If you're comfortable in your bubble, it might be ones that have had social anxiety before this started and actually lockdown's been brilliant because if crowded places and lots of interactions not good for you, then lockdown's fantastic. Like you get to stay at home, you get to stay in your safe place. Um, so, we've really got a sliding spectrum and mental health is always a sliding spectrum, but we've really got that with how people want to interact and how we want to come out of this. I think you're right about that. The difficulty I have as somebody who manages people is that there are within, within the, certainly the wider London and Oxford team, we have a real divergence of people who probably do need for their own mental health to go back into the office and to have um, you know, contact and, and a, a designated place that theirs to work in. But, um, as, a, as a manager, I probably need to be there to support them in that, but also I can't be because I still have, um, you know, we're now staring down the barrel of the school holidays, which are six and a half weeks long, and I'm counting most <laughs> of the hours. Um, so that, that, that presents a sort of another set of difficulties for me in a way, and for me personally, that I want to support those people, and it's very clear to me that at some point I'm going to need to coincide being in the office while they're in the office um, because. I care about them and I want to make sure they're okay and also there's probably things that we need to talk about face to face and it doesn't make any sense to you know to do a team's meeting when they're in the office and I'm at home and but it's really difficult to manage you know just on a practical level um so I don't know yeah I feel like I need to be two people really I feel like that makes sense you're, you're certainly not the only one that said that to me over the last three four months we've had a lot of conversations about how you manage your mental health whilst also probably managing the mental health of your staff and also the mental health of your children all in one wrapped up and then you're also still trying 
to do your job. <laughs> I don't know if I'm right about this, but I sort of I, I don't see myself as needing to take um, responsibility for the mental health of the people that I work with. I think I need to set up the the right environment so that they're able to thrive both on a kind of professional and hopefully a personal level. And that seems to me to be my responsibility in terms of in terms of them managing their mental health. But I don't feel the need to be responsible for their mental health per se in quite the same way that I am for my children's mental health. So I mean I, I may I may well be wrong about that. I don't know if that's if that's true or not, but um I, I can certainly make the mental health worse of the people who I work with. I can see how that would work, but I'm not completely sure that I'm here to take responsibility for it and its end result. I think that's completely true. Um, and it's a cultural thing. It's it's not just down to managers, anyone listening to this who's maybe lower down the chain. If if you're willing to talk about your own experience and actually turn around and go, you know what, this is awful. We've all had a bad day. We've all ridden the wave. We've all had that issue. It's just opening doors for other people to open up. And I've just certainly found the more we talk about it, the more other people join the conversation. And the more we join the conversation, the wider group of people we we drag along with us and hopefully soon we can actively start saying I've had a bad day I'm feeling really low as easily as we say you know what I feel sick I'm going home um, because we say that without any need for proof we say that if someone tells me they feel sick I don't question it I'm just like, okay go home that's fine like you don't need to show me you're feeling sick but if someone said they're feeling low or have depression or something like that everyone kind of feels like they need the proof and you can't prove it it's the same as an internal illness you, physically you can't prove that so um it's something we can all do a lot more about just talking about it and like i say this podcast is a great start because we can openly share this with many people and encourage others to come along with us share our stories and and kind of get the train moving so in the spirit of sharing um i'm gonna now share with you that um i've cried during the lockdown i've cried quite a lot um, I'd have days where things were so bad that I'd be sobbing and then something really great would happen, like we'd get appointed to a new project or we'd get some really great feedback from a client and I'd go singing and dancing around the kitchen, um, telling the afternoon shift of homeschool how great everything was and then go back up to the office only to discover that something had gone wrong or some fee projections hadn't worked out or whatever and I'd be crying again. Um, it really, yeah, it's been quite up and down. I suspect that's similar for well, I don't know. I imagine that others sort of recognise that real kind of, uh, yeah, <laughs> that up and down, that impossibility of riding the corona coaster without getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. So I'm not a crier, um, like ever. I think I cry maybe once a year. I am someone that just, it's just not an emotion that comes to me very often. I've cried during this it's it's more than once so my yearly has turned into maybe a monthly and like that's fine it's showing emotion we all we all go through it it's we're all going through this big unknown and it's it's fine it's healthy i've probably done healthy to not cry more regularly so actually now you know it's a good cry it makes you feel better <laughs> you know it helps relieve the stress and like you say you also have those massive highs something goes really well maybe you have a really productive day at work it doesn't even have to be winning a project or anything it can literally just be that you got from 9 to 5 p.m with nothing going wrong and it's like yes I'm gonna celebrate that and I think that's tools we can take forwards 
into kind of going back to work, um, whether that's office or home, whatever we choose works for us. Um, I think my best kind of tip for everyone is celebrate those small wins. So if if your small win is you managed to homeschool for three hours with no tantrums, great. If it's you managed to homeschool for 10 minutes with no tantrums, great. If that's better than yesterday, that is a success. And it's the same returning to the office. If you feel comfortable going to the office and you can make it there and not have that moment of panic, that's a win. That's a celebration. Um, but if your celebration is you managed to convince your boss that staying at home an extra day works for you, celebrate it. It's it's good to celebrate those small wins and just resume some level of normality. Um, even if, like you say, Helen, the small win is dancing around your kitchen for 10 minutes. Do it. It's great. It's a little burst of endorphins to help you help you through your day. Um, and depending on who you are, it'll be completely different. Some people it'll be showering. Some people, if they hit that real low, even getting in the shower can be a lot of effort. If you manage it and you didn't do it yesterday, celebrate it. And then whatever the win is, kind of just I'm taking every day as it comes at the moment. I'm not planning one day at a time. And if something goes great, I'll celebrate. And if it doesn't go great, well, there's always, always tomorrow. We'll try again. <laughs> I think the I think your tip of celebrating small wins is a great one actually, and I wish I'd known about that more in um, in March at the end of March because I think I would have taken those small gains and and been a bit kinder to myself. I think I probably haven't been terribly kind to myself over over the period, and I'm, I'm I think I'm sort of the opposite of you. I'm such a planner. I drive my family absolutely crazy by planning out the, every last minute of every day, and kind of surrendering myself to something which nobody had any control over was really really difficult that was probably and when I talked before about the frustration of it all it was for me it was being out of control I'm very much I'm very much the sort of person who I like to control my own destiny I like to make my own luck um not being able to do those things because you couldn't actually leave the house and make things happen I found that really very difficult and very frustrating in terms of, you know, going back to the office versus carrying on working from home, um, it seems to me that, particularly as a woman, now's a really great time to try and negotiate the contract and the working conditions that you want, because employers are much more open to the idea of working from home. And it may be that you've always wanted to work from home more for, for, for whatever reason, but you've not been able to persuade people that working from home is really, really working. And now we all know that working from home is definitely really working. Um, and equally, you know, if you want to go back to the office or if you want to be part time between the two, it seems to me that now is a really good time to, to, to get the conditions that you've always wanted. Um, and that's probably quite a positive thing as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It is the time where we can, oh, despite the uncertainty, start just taking some control again. And that might just be controlling your own mental health when you're at home it might be controlling whether you want to work from home it might be just controlling your routine I made out just then that I'm not a planner I am a planner I have a diary next to me that hourly schedules my day because that's how I celebrate the small wins I tick it off hour by hour um, and it's just how you cope and everyone's different and I just like you say you said you wish you'd been kinder to yourself but I guess going forwards if we can all be kind of not just to ourselves but to other people appreciate we're all in a different position I really think that is a bonus that we've all learned from this yeah I think you're absolutely right about that um and the other thing the other thing that I was going to just sort of mention was um I, I'm sort of very aware of the fact that for many women they've taken on 
the burden of, of homeschooling or childcare or, or you know those kinds of jobs as well as having to work full-time or part-time whatever it is that they're doing um, and nationally we definitely know that that's the case that, that the burden of, of, of schooling and caring has fallen disproportionately on women and I'm very fortunate in that on the day before the lockdown started my husband and I sat down and had a long conversation about how were we going to do this and we decided that the only fair way of doing it was to split it absolutely 50 50 between us and that he'd work in the morning and I'd work in the afternoon and that any other work that we could do so there were if, if I had things that absolutely had to get done I'd get up at half past five six o'clock do a couple of hours be with the children in the morning until lunchtime work all afternoon have supper with the family and then go back to work um, in the evening now it's it's very clear to me that we can all do that if we want to on a on a short-term basis you know you can do that for a matter of weeks maybe but what you can't do is that day in day out relentlessly for months which is what some people have ended up doing and i think that's i think that's really really tough and i think that is definitely um a sort of a feminist issue i'd probably say Thank you very much indeed, Louise and Helen, for being so open and honest. Um, we hope that for those um, listening to this, that you'll have found the conversation to be very helpful and uh, reassuring, and also that it might well have given you some pretty good guidance. Thank you for listening. Please do continue the conversation via the Women in Property Twitter account, which is at WIPUK, and hashtag the word. Thank you. Thank you.